So if you really do want something, understand that you can have it if you're willing to change. And if you can say yes to the idea, whatever that idea is, income, love, whatever it is, and you can say yes to willingness, then you have begun the process of actually bringing that very thing right into your reality. You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, Sarah Box. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. And now without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Hey there, No Labels, No Limits podcast listeners. Welcome back. I'm Sarah Box, your host of the No Labels, No Limits podcast, where you know we are on a mission to help individuals, teams, and organizations, and especially our nonprofit friends, Think outside the box, move beyond limitations, and create a profound impact in the lives of others. Um, and I think you're really going to like our guest today because he's all about that and more. So let me tell you a little bit about him. We're going to talk with Dave Conway. He is a seven-figure entrepreneur and the founder of Conway Consulting. He's renowned, though, for his action-oriented mindset and sales mentorship. And as a top contributor to Forbes Coaches Council, Dave's focus is not just on financial success, but also on empowering people to realize their true potential. He has guided countless individuals, helping them become world-class leaders while achieving their financial goals. So his journey from mentee to mentor reflects his deep commitment to empowering others. All of this and much more has become made possible through the practice of manifestation. And we're going to talk about that because I have questions. So now let's officially welcome Dave to our podcast. Hi, Dave. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. You? I am doing really well today. It's a little bit sunny. We haven't seen too much of that in the last few days. So I like the sun <laughs> even when it's cold. Um, but and today... We're recording this on what is the shortest day of the year, and I woke up we this are. morning and thought the days get longer. <laughs> so, Amen. Really, yeah, <laughs> it is, I'm always happy about the 21st of December, or, or in that time zone, whenever the solstice actually hits. It anyway, it's nice coming out of it. It is nice coming out of it. Oh, it is. I just, you know, it like I nice. feel it. Like when the days start getting shorter in the summer, there's a change in the light. I can see it, and I think, oh, here it goes. <laughs> And I well, don't lament it, but I like the Yeah, I'm, I moved out to the country um, just a few weeks ago, and my God, has it ever changed my life. Uh, I used to have the worst attitude about winter now, too, and uh, I've got these sun, sunrises every morning, stunning sunsets. I live in a province called, in Canada called Saskatchewan. Uh, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, you say that 10 times faster, your tongue gets tied in a knot permanently for the rest of your life. And uh, here on our on our on our license says the land of the living skies, but I'm actually getting experience them now living out in the country. Yeah. Beautiful. I had the joy of driving through there. I don't want to tell you how many decades ago it was, but I was driving my Volkswagen van. It was a long time ago. Um, <laughs> it was beautiful, but it, you're right. I mean, the skies were big. You know, last so that's right. Last Tuesday, um, I woke, when I woke up in the morning, it was still dark. And the aurora borealis was there, so we see the northern lights all the time too. It's amazing. So see, that's beautiful when you get to be in the country and you haven't been before, and it's darker. The lights are brighter. The night, oh, it's just, the real lights. The celestial. I can't go back. <laughs> okay, let's get on with this podcast. Um, I do want to ask you a question. You know, I interview a lot of people. I read a lot, and many coaches and speakers and thought leaders they embrace the concept of manifestation, but you were introduced to that at a really young age, right? So can you share that experience or how manifestation came to you and then opened you up to the work and the path you're on today? Can we start there? Yeah, we can. Uh, I've shared this many times. Like when I, um, being a kid, I always knew there was something beyond like the physical world. And I don't think I'm rare in that. Uh, uh in that as, as a part of my childhood and i could always like see through things not that i couldn't see colors or anything like that but i could always just see like the nature i could always see like 
what was actually causing this individual or what was the actual cause that was actually creating it? Um, so when I was 18 years old, my mom uh, brought me to hear a man speak. And uh, I say it was the first, last, and only time, you know, this guy was ever in our, uh, our city. And his name was Bob Proctor, which is quite the blessing. And anyone that doesn't know Bob Proctor, you could go, you know, YouTube him or Google him if you like. I call him the original gangsta, the OG of the law of attraction. Okay, He was probably, I would say he was probably one of the greatest law of attraction teachers in the last hundred years in the world. And uh, his, his information, his message was, was quite deep. And I think it, a lot of people don't fully grasp what it is. So when it comes to manifestation, what we need to understand is that um, we're all manifesting 24-7. We're doing it all the time. It's just on the scale of which we're doing it. And when we start to think about manifestation, and when I started to learn about it at 18 years old, um, it was very hit and miss for me. So sometimes I could move, I could move an idea into form, and, and sometimes, you know, it didn't really go. And I lived, I lived on that roller coaster for about 15 years, up and down, up and down. Um, until I got some real proper mentorship through Bob Proctor, where I actually hired him, uh, paid him a lot of money um, for many years. So that money kept getting paid, <laughs> but my income kept going up. Everything else started to change as well. And uh, to understand that true manifestation is manifesting a new version of yourself. That, that's really what it is at the core. And I think a lot of manifestation out there, I know there's a lot of people that poo-poo the idea or um, you know, they're like, well, what's that all about? Well, let's get honest. Most of the people talking about it, you don't really want what they have anyway. And I was the same. So what we need to understand is that true manifestation is manifesting a new consciousness. If we can understand that, that there's not something for nothing, it's always something for everything. So a lot of people out there promoting manifestation, they're putting inside of it that you can have anything you want and do nothing about it. Right. You know, and uh, that's just that's just that's just not that's just not going to happen. So what do you put inside of it? Because I think you hit the nail on the head. Is that like, okay, I'm just going to think about it. That's all. Nothing more. Not going to act. Not going to, I'm not even going to go beyond like, oh, I want that. And then leave it be. Yeah. Like when, when it comes to the idea. So let's, let's say an individual wanted to, um, I don't know. Let's say a person wanted to double their income. So we want to start to get uh, familiar with ideas. So let's say, I, let's say I was earning $10,000 a month and uh, like that's I was working and that's what I was earning. And I bumped into a person like me and I decided, hey, I'd like to go to $20,000 a month. Well, what you want to do is you want to, um, first off, sit down and ask yourself, do, do you want that? Now, the chances probably are, are going to be us. Like if I said to you, Sarah, would you like to double your income in the next two months? Sure. Why the hell not, right? Well, it seems, like a, it seems like a no-brainer, you know? Yeah, it's a no-brainer. I yeah, could spend right. it. I could donate. I mean, yeah, yeah of course. Easy, easy, It'd right? be fun, actually. That's, that's what I think. Well, that'd be fun. Yeah, an attractive idea. Yeah. So that's right. So what you want to do is you sit down and ask yourself, like, well, what, what, what would my life look like if I was earning 20 grand a month more? And then you, know, then you ask yourself, who's the woman that's earning it? So how does she how does she talk? How does she dress? What kind of service does she render? Is she an advancing individual? What neighborhoods does she live in? Where does she go on vacations? What's her what's her general attitude? How does she deal with adversity when it comes into her life? You know, how focused is he? How focused is she? Does she have a service-based mindset? And when you start to think like this, you're going to find that you start building a new version of yourself. And as you do that, every day you just keep endeavoring into becoming that woman or that man or that person that is living that life. Because every idea has a life contained in it. So even when I gave you, the, I said, would you like to double your income? Your mind starts going off like, I could do this, I could do this. See, there's a whole lifestyle in there. Yep. And that's what we want to understand. So I think about that. What level, actually the exercise that you said is a 
consideration exercise thinking what is that what's that person look like walk like what so i'm actually considering those things and mm. am i then trying to feel anything about them i'm what i'm getting at here is what if i say on one level yes i want those things but either subconsciously or in something else there's pushback in my brain like well what will happen if i get that because i well, often like that go ahead yeah i don't i don't think i don't think it's that what if there will be because it's just a foreign idea so how do we recognize that because it seems to me that that would be some sort of a a barrier potentially yeah well well first on you'll feel it so you'll feel it so you'll flip-flop from um wow wouldn't that be wonderful to you know how the hell am i going to do that or you, you might have other desires like, well, well, if I do that, then I'm not going to be able to spend as much time with my husband or I'm not going to be able to see the grandkids or you'll start to think these thoughts. And then what will happen is the, the current environment, the current paradigm will erode the idea back down and you'll leave the vibration because every idea contains its own vibration. So as you think an idea, you will elevate your vibration. Human beings have a thing called an imagination and our imagination controls what frequency we live on. So how do you mitigate that? How how do you uh, how do you mitigate that? the the um, yes I want this whatever the this is and I'm clear on it and I've gotten clear on what would what would someone how would someone be like that so were I that person what would I be doing what those kinds of things I've really given that thought become more clear moved in that direction but I still have these kind of I don't, I don't want to call them anchor or backwards thoughts, but they are in some respects. It's like, well, yeah. what if, what if you lose us? What do we do with that? Cause I find that, you know, even when I'm not even when, but when I'm working with clients and coaching them, sometimes those are the things like, well, if I do that, then I'm thinking, okay, but that statement is in contradiction to what you said your objective or your goal or desire was. So, I'm, I, it's a curiosity for me because it seems like it's a powerful pull. And if there isn't something we can do for ourselves or people in our environments, because you can also see that to the environment you're in, could be a detractor. Mm. So what do we do with that? Um, I think we need to learn how to neutralize it. And I think the key word there is to neutralize it. Okay. So study is study is the most essential thing a person could ever do. Like when I began to like truly study manifestation, uh, like really, really study it, um, I became a millionaire. When I began to truly start to study it, uh, I restored the health in my body. I restored relationships. I restored peace of mind in my mind, not just the body, but in the mind as well. Um, new confidence, new friends, all brought into my life just because I study it. So there's nothing in this world that's something for nothing. So if we're going to start to move forward with a lot of these ideas, the, the, the key to it is studying it. You have to study it. It's like if I was walking and I, I don't know, stood in some poop or something, and then I was walking on the street again and I saw it again, I'm not going to step in it again. So it's the same thing. So if you can, if you, if, if you know, you're like, oh, here you are again. I know you. You always come. You always, you always crop up. You always start talking and you always start making me feel a certain way. I know you. I know you. And it usually starts in the form of doubt. So I know you. And then you can neutralize that. And you say, you know what? Thanks for the heads up. But I'm just going to give myself permission to continue to go into this person, to continue to be like this person over and over and over. And in time, that person will start to take root. So when you said you studied it, where did you begin your study? Were you reading? What were you doing? Because I can imagine listeners saying, okay, I want to study. Where do I begin? Uh, all right. Mate, that's a great question. So I began, the first thing I studied that, uh, so I was mentored by the incredible Bob Proctor. And the first essay I truly ever studied was an essay called Yourself. Um, so his name is Thomas Troward, if your listeners are, are into um, looking it up. Uh, it was called Yourself, and it was a um, from a book called uh, Your Hidden Power. 
or the hidden power, sorry, the hidden power. And I began to study that um, every, every single morning. Every single morning, my wife and I, Jack, we would wake up and we would start to study it. Do you want me to read you the first paragraph? I would love to, yeah. Yeah? Okay. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah, so yourself, which, first off, quite an interesting title. Is it yourself, one word, or is it your and then self? Yourself, one word. Okay. Yeah, isn't that interesting? It is. I agree. So he said, I want to talk to you about the livingness there is in being yourself. It has at least the merit of simplicity, for it must surely be easier to be oneself than to be something or somebody else. Yet, that is what so many are constantly trying to do. The self that is their own is not good enough for them. And so they're always trying to go one better than what God has made them, with endless strain and struggle as the consequence. Of course, if they are right, they are right to put before them an ideal infinitely grander than anything they've yet attained. The only, the only possible way of progress is by following an ideal that is always a stage ahead of us. But the mistake is in not seeing that its attainment is a matter of growth. And that growth must be the expansion of something that already exists in us and therefore implies our being what we are and where we are as a starting point. This growth is a continuous process and we cannot do next month's growth without first doing this month's. But we're always wanting to jump into some ideal of the future, not seeing that we can reach it only by steadily going on from where we are now. Wow. So, so we're in the exact right place we need to be. At we, all times. Yeah. Yeah. At all times. And that discontent, the discontent with being where we are is, uh, it's almost like that self-doubt. It's like, thank you very much. But it well, you'll always, discontentment is wonderful. Discontentment is a great creative state. So I don't know why the creator has made us the way that the creator made us, but we're always wanting something bigger and greater. We're always wanting better. And, you know, I think to be human is to want better and to want better is to be human. So to sort of start to grasp that um, we can have better, to understand that we can bring these things into our life. Um, but the systematic study, I think, is the most important thing when it comes to manifestation. You know, one time I was, uh, this was about 10 years ago, I was out for dinner with a group of, people uh some of my wife's friends and they were like really uh poo-pooing on uh prayer like they were just hating on it i said this is interesting um and i asked them i said i said why i said do you pray and they're like no i said then what the hell are you talking about <laughs> like, what? it's like saying i hate chocolate have you had it no, but I hate it. Yeah, it's like my kids do that. You know, I put the meal in front of them, and they're like, I hate that. It's like, you haven't even eaten it yet. <laughs> um, well, that, that's so, funny. So I'm, they're your wife's friends, so they're adults, and they're saying they hate praying, and yet they don't pray. That's right. And then I said to them, I was like, you know what? Why don't you try it for a year every day, which they wouldn't do because they wouldn't have the desire to do it, um, and then come back, and then your opinion will not be worth something. And that's the problem with you. Most people's opinions are totally worthless. They're not coming from any place of true understanding. They're coming from a place of assumption. Assumption. Wow. That's really powerful. Um, I have this big desire to call you Bob now instead of Dave. <laughs> I No, I'm not joking. I don't know why it just popped into my head, but I do. So, but assumptions really screw us up. You know, we make them about other people. We make them about ourselves. We make them about life, um, which is why I'm a fan of questioning. But I want to go back to what you said about that year of praying, because it reminds me of a story. I don't know if it's fact or fiction or fable, but, but it really was about this woman going and asking the Buddha, I think, she wanted her son off sugar. Let me see. I'm going to butcher the story, but the point's the same. Mm. And she's, you've got to fix this. You've got to fix, it, fix this. And he said, okay. She'd walked a long way to get there. And he said, come back in 30 days. And um, she comes back and he goes, okay, now go home and tell your son not to eat sugar. 
And she, he, she goes, why did you make me come back? You could have told me that the first time. And he goes, because when you asked me, I was still eating sugar. It was like that. Can't tell him because I don't know. That's right. right. And that's what your story reminded me of, of saying, why don't you pray for a year? Right. Before you tell someone else it's garbage mm -hmm. or you hate it. Um, I want to ask, are you okay if we kind of um, go from the study piece? And is there more you want to say on study? Because I know you, tip, you tipped into like starting every day with that and you and your wife starting there as that's a beginning piece. Then where did you go from there? Or do you revolve and evolve around that same universe of study? I know we were talking a little no, bit. Always, it's the foundation of everything. It's the foundation of everything. So study plus knowledge will bring understanding. And that, that occurs in the conscious mind. But awareness comes only through experience. So if I'm studying, I'm going to find an idea. So let's say I'm reading and I'm studying and, and I'm, I get an idea. I want to implement that idea. I want to see. I want to move that idea. I want to integrate that into my life. And that's why I study. So I'm always on the hunt for ideas just to improve my life. And I found that the more that my life improves, the more people around me's life improves. It's just automatic. You know, like this is so obvious. Why, um, why is there parents out there that, you know, when their kid is hanging out with a certain crowd, they want to get them away from that crowd? Or why do parents that work, some parents sacrifice martyr their whole life just so their kid gets to go into a certain college or something? Well, or, or other people are trying to get out of a neighborhood, and that's a great success. Oh, my mom got us out of this neighborhood or whatever. So we all intuitively know that our environment is controlling our life. Like, we all intuitively know that. But what we don't know is that it's our internal environment that is attracting that environment to us. That's what we do not know. Not fully grasping that yet as, as, as people. Through the repetition, the study, you can start to change your internal environment. Then what will happen is your world will naturally start to change. You see, when you, when you set the idea of like, oh, I'd like to double my income, the reason that you feel those cinches or pinches, we could call them, or doubt, is because that is an unnatural idea. That's a foreign idea. Yes. So you have to just, through spending time with it, you form a relationship with the idea. As you spend more and more time with this man, woman, or person that is living in that life, over time, a person will naturally start to produce that life. This works for anything. Money. So, yeah, something you said just anyway. clicked. So I feel that it's a that's pretty powerful. Um, because the more you're doing the study, your understanding deepens as well. You got it. Yeah. Yogananda called it strict discipline. Not just discipline, strict discipline. Hey there, everybody. I want to take just a minute out of this episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast to tell you that we are officially opening the Sandbox membership in September. So if you're not already on our mailing list, please click the link below to either sign up for the membership or get on the waiting list for the membership. And if you click the link, you'll find more information about what's included, what our plans are, and better yet, you'll be on early enough to help decide what is most important to you to experience in the first three to six months of the membership. So don't wait. Click the link below and join us in the sandbox where fun happens. We get to do a little R&R, &R, little learning, support one another, and really grow and expand in ourselves, in our lives, and impact the world in a profound way so come on over join us how does strict discipline differ from discipline <laughs> that's a good question well, because discipline the, the the implied sense with discipline or how we intuit it is that it's strict in and of itself so what is strict discipline? i know it sounds, it sounds terrible doesn't it <laughs> i don't know there's some it sounds like a relief in some respects but it well, does sound a little uh, constricting it's the same, it's the same, the, the same with the, the word decision too. So like in every decision, there's actually two decisions. So this could go back to your, um, your question around, you know, when people start feeling that pull of the current consciousness, we could call it, right? So 
the first decision is actually to move the idea from the conscious mind into the subconscious mind or into the emotional mind. That's why you're having the feelings or the battle will start. Most people never make it through that decision. But in every decision, there's two decisions. The first decision is to move the idea into the sub. The second decision is to keep it there. That would be a strict discipline. So it's like, I'm going to double my income. I'm going to double my income. So first you do it, then you do it. Two very different energies. So first I make the decision to do it, then I make the decision to do it. So that's strict discipline. Yeah. Yeah. Different vibration. Yeah, and I from I can see how powerful that would be because I know for me, and I've started this recently, like I'll make a decision and then it'll bubble up like, oh, yeah, and I wonder if I says, hey, you already decided that. Move on. You're doing yeah, it. Boom, done. Yeah, move cut on. It. Yeah, that's right. No perseverating. That was a good idea. No. You said yes. Now move. But yeah. it is so. Don't renege. Yeah, well, and it's so easy. Your mind starts going, bup, 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 and you're going, hey, I made a decision. Mm -hmm. If later I want to change it, I will. But first I'm going to accomplish it. You know? That's right. Let so, the idea move. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, okay. So I want to also talk to you. You know, you work with folks and you intentionally help them become world-class leaders. So I'm a, is that correct? Yep. Okay. I just want to test that I'm quoting you or referring to what you say correctly. How do you define world-class leaders? Because you'll see now if you look at people, we're world-class services and stuff. And so I find it helpful to know, like, what goes into a world-class leader? How would I identify one? What do they look like, show up like? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so world-class, um, I, th I think it's our duty to try and become the best we can possibly be. Because uh, world-class is an idea. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. So it's an idea that you have achieved some of the highest heights at doing whatever it is that you do. So a lot of people, um, Earl Nightingale said this, he says it's easier to win because not many people are trying. Like it's not hard to get to the top because not many people are actually endeavoring to get there. You know, uh, so when, when we talk about world-class leadership, now I'm not like, I would not call myself like a, a leadership trainer. That's, that's not what I am. You know, like you got other guys out there like a Jocko Willick and needs, you know, the, the different, different, different sort of energy behind the ideas um when i think world class i'm more along the lines of like uh your yogananda your bob proctor your old nangale your thomas shore your napoleon hills you know these kinds of people they're world class at what they do and to become world class is something it requires a lot of dedication and and i think i think even it's a gift too let's get honest it's a gift that if an individual finds that thing that they love so what I help my clients do is I help my clients build a very clear mental picture of who is the person that is actually living that life. How many people are they influencing? Like I had this one client, uh, her name was Whitney, she started with me actually oh, like in August or something. And I said to her, I was like, well, what would you like me to help you with? And I said, don't answer it now. Just go off and message, you know, we'll meet again next week. And go off and think about it. if I was to help you, what would you want me to help you with? So when she came back, she had this like long, long list, like a lot of stuff on there. Had a girl. And <laughs> mm -hmm. and uh, and then one of them was uh, she used to, she has these dinners, and she said to me that she wanted me to help her make two hundred fifty thousand dollars from one single dinner. So this lady, she sells insurance and financial services, and I said okay. I said, but you got to do exactly what I tell you to do. Twelve weeks later, she earned two hundred fifty-eight thousand bucks in one single dinner, one night. So all I did with her was I got her to up her game on serving people because a lot of us don't fully grasp this. You do not get paid from people; you get paid through people. So if you can start to serve more in quality, quantity, and spirit, even over here, you'll find that over here will start to grow. So all I did with her was I just started to become more world-class. I got her to become 
a higher version of herself that released more beautiful energy into more people than she was currently releasing her energy into. And by doing that, over here it just happens because the idea must move into form. That's a law. That's a law of the universe, actually. It's a law. Well, that didn't take her very long. Very fast. Yep. Yeah. I've had clients go from 10 grand a month to half a million bucks a month like that. Very fast. So what is the common thing? What, would you say that's pretty common for why people want to work with you? Or like, is she a good example? Or is there a... Yeah, she's a great one. Yeah, no, it's countless, countless, countless. It's, 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 really, um, it's really crazy what's going on over here, is what I guess I could, I could say. It's very, very interesting what's happening, how fast people are changing how fast people are. See, if we want the outside world to change, we learn how to change the inside. So if someone comes to me and they say to me, hey, Dave, I want to earn 100,000 bucks a month, let's say. Then I'd say, okay, are you sure? And if they say yes, I will tell them, okay, then I'm done talking to you and I will only talk to that $100,000 person. So if you ever come at, towards me as the person that you are, I will not communicate with that person. Now, when I sort of Bob Proctor, this is what he used to do to me. Now, he wasn't nice enough to tell me this is what he's doing. I had to just go through it. He would say, oh, you're so lucky getting to work with Bob. I say, not really, man. Like, it was a massacre of me. Every time, every time, Sarah, I ever um, went at him with some reason that my life was the way it was, he never accepted it. He never, ever talked to the lower nature of myself, ever. So Only did he just the... not respond, or did he challenge you sometimes yeah he would challenge and sometimes just not even respond so that person the lower level person with persona non grata gone over they were they had no room in the room wow. they were not welcome and that was me yeah but that's so powerful yes but it, you're right that would be and you didn't know ahead of time that's what he was doing no i thought he hated my guts well, why wouldn't you think that? <laughs> like, I'm sorry, I'm not talking to you. What? Are you talking? To I'm not talking to you. I don't know who you are right now. That person's not allowed in here. That's right. So when we talk about world-class leadership, true leadership is taking control of yourself. And all you have to do is just watch how people respond and react to everything and every stimuli, borderline animals. Most people are not very much different than their pets. They just respond to external stimuli all the time. No control of the inside world. And they're giving away their most valuable gift, which is the inside world. Right. Or starting with yourself. Yourself. That's where you start. So that's the first essay Bob got me to study. And I, I've, been, I've been saying that now um, religiously since 2017. Yeah. We'll put that. I'll be sure to put that. I'll get the so link to all that jazz. I'll put it in the show notes for folks. So if you're listening and thinking, how do you spell that? What was the essay? I'll, we'll put it in the show notes for you so that you can find it. Um, I'm going to be getting it and reading because that's what I do. Um, and you were saying before um, we went live, you were talking about the prescription for like evolving. It was one hour of reading. How much writing? And or no. And then. Oh. Share that with yeah, the audience because yeah. I think that's, I, you know, if you're really doing deep study, this was the prescription. So say more about that, would so you? So this is, yes. Yeah, so this is prescription from Yogananda. Um, so anybody don't, anybody know who Yogananda is? He wrote the book called Biography of the Yogi. And he brought uh, Kriya Yoga to the Western world. Um, I think he was a, he, he was an incorruptible. Do you know that about him? I don't. So uh, after 27 days, now I don't know anything further, but his body never decayed. So you can look mm. it up. So the 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 coroner, are they called coroners? Mm -hmm. That bag it and tag it or whatever. Yeah. Um, yes. His body has yeah. His body had no. Or morticians. Yeah, mortician, okay. Uh, <laughs> so uh, his body never decayed, Yogananda. If you, if you look it up too, you can look him up. Incorruptibles, the Catholic Church has him too. 
they're saints that never, their body never decayed. Now, sometimes people have trouble, you know, trust the Catholic Church and stuff. So they go, oh, maybe that's a scam or something. But Yoga Nanda, same thing, never decayed. There's a letter in it. And you can look it up, incorruptible. And um, anyway, so he said, now this is an idea. Now, I think it's, it scared me. It did, because I was like, that sounds really lovely. But I'm also like a father and I've got all these things. I don't know if I've got the life of passion. But truthfully, if I probably did what he said, I'd probably get everything much faster. So um, he said that to develop the reasoning faculty, the human's reasoning faculty, we've got six faculties. So we have perception, reason, imagination, memory, will, and intuition. Okay, I'll repeat that one more time. So we have perception, reason, imagination, uh, memory, will, and intuition, six faculties of the mind. So develop the reasoning faculty. He said a person should read or study for an hour a day, then write for two hours a day on the idea, and then sit and contemplate what they read and wrote for three hours a day. Sounds like heaven. Well, yeah, sounds good to me. I would have to disconnect from a lot of things, which might not be bad. And the irony is you probably would get everything quicker. You would. Yeah, yeah I don't think you'll go wrong listening to some of these people. I want to ask, um, you know, you're really well known for helping people transform and set them apart from the crowd and also having unique processes. So is what you've been describing like one of those examples and are there other examples of how you work with people? Um, yeah. So my main process is always goal-based. So first we get the goal. Then we ask ourselves, who's the person that is actually producing this goal? Not like force producing, but naturally producing them. And then we go into systematic study every day. We study the same thing over and over like a crazy, crazy person. Repetition of thought is how you alter a paradigm. Does that work at an organization level? It would if whole organization can buy into it. That's a lot of desires running. Yeah. But what if yeah. for, for the leader of an organization, so if they were wanting to transform or evolve their organization and they were doing it through themselves, would that work? Or is it yes. having effect on other people doesn't work? Yes, it would work. Yeah, so I work primarily with the leaders. I don't work with many of the people in any other position. I work mainly with the leaders. And are they, so that one gal came, she had a revenue objective, yeah. right? What are some yeah. of the leadership goals or objectives that come to you? Well, yeah, well, people are always trying to transform. Like, they're just trying to, most great leaders are always just trying to help other people become better than they are. And uh, you'll find that most of our problems are always in the hiring process. That's usually where it is. So the reason I'm asking about leaders is um, so you were saying that they want to help people be better or improve, right? Or improve like their overall result collectively, perhaps. Am I, is that pretty close? I think that's most of the, the standards leaders MO is like, how can I get the people around me to produce or elevate to higher levels. So it's kind of always the deal, right? So I agree. I do. And I, I think most of the challenges, the easy challenges in business are the technical challenges, not the people challenges, right? Because yeah, easy. It, tech, those kind of things, like something breaks, you replace it. Those types of things are straightforward and pretty easy, right? But the people ones are different. So, that's what I was curious about is do folks come to you and want to resolve that? And then you're asking them to be that other version of themselves that already has that handled, right? That's, they show up as that person. Um, am I oversimplifying your process? No, that's pretty much it. Like if the leader can evolve, it's like, think of it like this. Um, Let's say, like, an individual's married, and they live in a house with that person. That person's energy will have an effect on you, like automatic, and vice versa. You want them. 
if the person is of a lower vibration, it, it'll have a very corrosive effect on a, on a person. So it's the same with the leader. It's the same with the leader in an organization or within a team. If that, if that, if that leader can develop themselves into like a true leader with, with a deeper understanding of themselves that they are also bought, like you, like you're, like you're Buddha, like he's not going to tell that woman to do something he's not doing. So he needs to, cause that's, that's awareness because he needs to experience it. So that's a real, like that's, that's actually a story of leadership in a lot of ways too, because it showed him like, uh, St. Francis of Assisi says, said the same thing. Teach the people, and if you have to, use words. Teach the people, and if you have to, use words. So I think as the leader, like, a lot of leaders can fall into scorn, where they just understand why everybody around them is so dumb. You know, that happens to a lot of them. So they kind of like a get-out-of-my-way attitude, oh, I'll just do it. You know, that happens a lot. So I found that when the person at the top changes, the organization will change or else why do they switch out CEOs all the time? Why do sports teams always hire and fire coaches? You know, um, when the leader of an, of an organization changes that, what that, what that leader actually brings is they bring their consciousness into the organization. Also, let's say the person, the, the leader isn't leaving the organization. They're not going to bring a new one in. Well, that leader then also needs to evolve their own consciousness because whatever they evolve to, they'll naturally bring that energy in. And do people naturally level up? Yeah. So I work primarily with individuals that run organizations, mm -hmm. but I, I don't work with the organizations anymore. I used to work with the organizations, but I found that I couldn't really tell them the truth. They have hiring problems. Um, they're trying to be, to be elite, but yet there's people fill to the brim in their organizations that are not elite. And yeah, you're, 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 you're trying to drag a, a dead horse up a mountain with that. Okay. That answered my question. Thank you. Yeah. Because that, because the leader who evolves is perhaps going to have to make a tough choice. Right. And you can hope and wish people will shift like and evolve with the organization, but it also that, the, that person or each individual that's, they have that control over themselves. Right. Like I had a sales team going uh, with 26 salespeople in it. And within a year, I had removed 23 of the 26. And it was my own ignorance that created it. It was my own. It was, it was, it was, it was the standards. It's always a standards problem too. It's standards. Too low standards. People have very low standards. Very low. So you talked about study and standards before we went live. And I think that I'd like to wrap our conversation talking about standards because it's common for people to talk about values. I see them kind of linked, but standards are a little different in my head. So will you define what you mean by standards and how you help people with that, with standards? Because you talked about not being clear on standards. Right. So for me, I, um, yeah, I never, I never set my own standards in my whole life. Didn't never even heard of the idea or the concept before. So the first time I ever, um, sat down, actually wrote out, like, what are my standards? And if an individual likes to know what their standards are, all they need to do is look at their environment. That'll tell them. Look at the people in it. Look at the income. Look at the house, the cars, the, the, the physique, the whole thing. It'll always tell you where you're where your standards lie, what you value, right? Where your standards are. And if you want to start to change your uh, life, if you want to start to grow and expand, you'll want to start to say, well, what are the standards of that individual? So you see, hear what I'm saying. Like everything I'm saying is always looping back to you as an individual and me as an individual, like yourself. So what are your standards? What are the ideals? Now, when you set a standard, um, you need to understand that that standard is always beyond you. So you're, you're always endeavoring to just internalize the standards. What a standard is, a standard is nothing more than an idea. And in every standards, there is a lifestyle. So you'll go on, you go online to book a trip somewhere. You might 
click three star, four star, five star, you don't apply the filter. You maybe you'll click it at four star. Well, why not just click it at five star? Or why not like six star if that even exists? Or or do, why not even leave that website and go to a different one and find even higher level stuff? Because they're out there. So we don't deviate from our internal standards. So when you set a goal, there's a person that's producing that life based upon what's acceptable. So a standard is what's acceptable in your life. And until something becomes unacceptable, it will stay in your life. The only time you, yeah. So a standard is what you deem as acceptable. And until that idea or that thing becomes unacceptable, it will remain in your life. And any person listening can sit down and write out, tell me one time that something became unacceptable in your life. You walk away from it. When it hits that point, you're done. That's right. Done. So that's right. Yeah. So you'll play games with it. You'll try and work with it. Try and keep it there. Try and, you know, you know, put lipstick on a cow or whatever the hell. You know, you'll try and you'll try and do everything you can because you're a good person. And at the end of the day, just got to go. It's just got to go. So your standard is your internal belief system. What's acceptable. And only when something becomes unacceptable. Will it actually leave your life? Okay, so folks, I just want to say this is a pretty thick conversation, even though it might sound like we popcorned around, but we have talked about study, heard a passage from a book, which we'll put the notes into the show notes. We've talked about the process of study, what that does to us or for us or helps us evolve, the concept of standards and how powerful that is, and really what manifestation is and the need to study it, to understand it, to apply it. Is that correct? Did I get you? Bingo. No, I think so. Well, because I'm studying you at this very moment. Um, I'm thirsty for this information because I think our world needs it right now. It's always needed, it, but I think we need this now so that we quit blaming other people for where we find ourselves because if we're blaming them and finding ourselves where we don't like it, it's because they they were letting them in, right? They haven't reached our unacceptable standard threshold. Yeah, like you know, people will um people like you you would never leave the front door of your home just open for anyone to come in, walk through their house with their muddy boots. You'd never do that. You know, where you go to bed at night and you just leave in your front door wide open, anyone can come in, you would never do that. But you do it all the time with your mind. We do it all the time with our mind. We never protect the one thing that's actually creating our life. You know, yesterday I was in the Dominican Republic and our flight got delayed a little bit and everyone was just getting very, very upset. And I said, look at this. This is unbelievable. Everyone's getting so upset about something they can't even control. Well, that's my first filter. Is there anything I can do about this? Yes or no? Mm -hmm. No? Let it go. Move on. What can I do? There you go. (laughs) Where is that coffee bar? Um, I may have good coffee in the Dominican. But no, that's, and I'm not joking in a little bit, but that really is true because you can hear people say, I want it different. I want that to change. And I was talking with a colleague today and one of his grandfather's favorite sayings to him was what, you know, where do you want to be when the tree falls? Do you want to be cutting it? behind it or just letting it land on you because the tree's falling, right? It's like, it's happening. You can't stop it. Where do you want to be? Pick a place. And I, I just can see this, you know, this was like Scottish grandfather, but very pragmatic. It's like, the tree's going down. Where do you want to be? You choose. Right? You. <laughs> I love it. You choose. So, but I, for me, I want to own my responsibility and my control around what's in my head because it does affect it affects everything, you know, everything, everything. Okay. I'm giving you the parting words of wisdom. So what do you want to leave our listeners with? I think that if, a, if an individual really does want 
better in their life? And I think any reasonable person is going to answer yes to that. I think the most important thing to know is that number one, you can. You really can change your life. That, that is the absolute truth. We can change our minds. We can change our minds. How we change our mind is two ways. The first is repetition of thought, repeated ideas over and over. And that's why we, um, in our, all of our programs, all immersed in the repetition, all immersed inside of the study. The second is an emotional impact. That's when something happens in your life and just boom, changed it. Bankruptcy, divorce, death. You know, what they do is they change our perception of the world in which we live and our perception of ourselves. So if you really do want something, understand that you can have it if you're willing to change. And if you can say yes to the idea, whatever that idea is, income, love, whatever it is, and you can say yes to willingness, then you have begun the process of actually bringing that very thing right into your reality. And you can do it. It's been done. It's been done like millions and millions of times. It is not for the elite few. Anyone can change their life if they're ready to change their life. Dave, my friend who has a nice little thing about hot chocolate coming up in his life later this week, maybe even today. Um, Tonight, yeah. Oh, yeah, different time zones. Um, I want to thank you for being on the podcast. I feel like you left so much value here that I'm going to re-listen to this even as it's getting produced because I I think you left some heavy nuggets, especially going into the next year coming up. You know, people are always thinking about plans and changes and stuff. Um, I'm not exactly sure when this will air, but it won't be too long after the, the first of the year. So, folks, listen, listen twice. And if you get anything out of this, please share it with a friend. Of course, you can rate and review it. Let Dave know, you know, let him know how it's going for you. Um, We'll have all of his contact information in the show notes. And don't be shy. Reach out to him if he's the person that you've been seeking and you're the person who's ready to seek him. Reach out. So with that, we will see you next week. You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic business coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. Please remember to rate, leave a five-star review, and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Till next time. Keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.